Hey, beloveds. Just doing a little intro here. I have uh, two pitches that I've done, one back in May, one yesterday, and they were pitches to a treatment facility, Milestones, and so they were outside of the 12-step sort of rules and guidelines, which was freeing in a way. And so the first pitch is uh, I was asked to kind of talk to, uh, it was at that time, like all women at the treatment facility and basically answer the question, why should you join a 12-step program? Like, why? Like, why would you leave a treatment facility and then go and join a 12-step program? So that was a fun one. Uh, the one I did yesterday uh, was more uh, a gift to Bonnie. Someone canceled last minute. So I didn't have any time to prepare, really. And the topic was, um, you know, the focus on weight and food uh, and, like, how it's not about the weight. It's not about the food. And then... Also, sort of at the last minute, sort of suggesting like codependency leading to relapse. So um, it was a challenge. I'm not particularly pleased with my pitch, but whatever, you know, it's fine. And then especially because, you know, this is just for me and my friends. Like this isn't we're not even like Channel 9 PBS like, you know, like those are like stars, you know, or, you know, I think like, you know, I, I don't know, like the only people who listen to this are, you know, people that either are my friends or are friends of friends. So, yeah, I can do what I want. All right. I love you guys. And uh, looking forward to another year with you. All right. Love you. Bye. So I am particularly very grateful to be speaking to Milestones, even though I've never been. Um, uh, I have two people in my life, my litter mate, <clears throat> who went to Milestones. That's how I knew about it. Uh, and then also when my litter mate came out, um, I called and worked with Nikki for my own a food plan because at the time I was really struggling with sugar addiction. Uh, and then when I was uh, Bonnie's sponsor and we sort of came to the conclusion that she actually needed inpatient treatment, I knew about milestones. So that's, uh, so I am actually very grateful to milestones and this is the one that I send everyone to because of how it supports 12 step and and I'll and I'll get to that I'll explain that that's why I'm here um so you know I'm a adult child of an of two alcoholic parents uh I ended up in 12 step recovery for for Al-Anon uh and adult children and then uh, I was in another program just learning how to do money, actually. And uh, my friend in that program, she started asking me questions and about, like, why I didn't like to go shopping, which, interestingly enough. 
And how come I only went shopping once a year? And I was like, because it's torturous for me and I don't like to see my body in a full length mirror. And that's what led me to OA. She took me to my first OA meeting. And then I have been in recovery uh, in 12 step meetings the entire time. And so I, I don't, in this, what I'm, what I like about this uh, ask to speak is you're not asking me to tell my, my 12 step story or my story about what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. My understanding is you're asking me why I continue to go to 12 step. So uh, there's a couple of reasons. Um, you know, I'm going to use an analogy. And, uh, and so the analogy that I use is um, getting uh, hit by a Mack truck. Like you get into a horrible accident and, and it's really bad and you end up in ICU. So the, the level of the hit is so bad that you're in ICU. And let's say that you're in a full body cast in ICU. So there's ICU, which would be intensive inpatient. And then just as you were starting to heal and things were kind of healing, you would shift out of inpatient into outpatient. But the whole time as you're shifting into outpatient, because there are things broken, you would have a therapist, you would have, you know, uh, a trainer, you'd have all these people trying to help you get back to a place of mobility. So you'd be in there for a long time. And then as you're an outpatient, uh, so you're still spending your whole day in the hospital, but you're not sleeping there. And then from there, you sort of start to go to maybe where they're saying, hey, you're doing pretty good. Um, you don't really need to, to come to um, outpatient five times a week. Let's, let's do three. Let's do two. Now, here's the thing that I, as a person who has sponsored many people, is, I mean, so many people, you would not expect someone who had been through that kind of experience that when they left even the outpatient when they left outpatient that they that everyone would look at that person all the doctors would look at that person and the person looking at themselves would be like okay great now that i'm finished with outpatient i'm going to go back to having just a normal life you will never go back to having a normal life. What you can do is if you, like literally if there's a person who just was like got discharged from outpatient, they're like, okay, well, you're able to move enough. We've taught you stuff. We've whatever. Like that person would need support. That person, and also it's really hard. Again, I want to keep this to this analogy if that person walked and all of a sudden there were many things that person couldn't do anymore. And because of that, there would be that compare and despair. And also there would be, this isn't fair. Why did I get hit by a Mack truck? And so 
then you'd get resentment, guilt, shame, all of that. And that person is walking around the post effect of getting fucking blindsided and trying to just create a normal life. Now, here's the thing. Someone says, wow, you're really still angry about this, you know, car accident. You should go see a therapist. It's like, okay, great. So now he's going to go see or she's going to go see a therapist and talk about the feelings. And I'm not saying that's not valuable. I have been in therapy for decades. It is valuable. But when when she leaves the therapist office, she's still walking around feeling different than everyone else. And a good definition of shame is less than. So this person, this woman with the car accident feels that because she was in a car accident and she doesn't have the same mobility as everyone else and because she has to do a lot of physical therapy and because she has to do exercises every goddamn day and because she can't do the things that she other she thinks she's less than that is such a shaming way to live now here's the beautiful thing that i have found in 12 step is it is a little literal physical location that i can go to and meet other women who have been blindsided in a car accident and have had to be in a full body cast and when and i men and women and when i do that i am no longer feeling less than i don't feel less than the people that i am talking to and i'm also talking to people who understand that it takes 18 professionals to get me out of bed in the morning and want to live the life i'm living and we can make jokes about it you know and and when i spend time with those people it re so the antidote to shame is empathy so now i'm in a room full of people different ages, different orientations, different ethnicities, different body types, different everything, who can relate to the experience that I've had. It's a little bit like girl interrupted, like life interrupted. I hit a bottom with something that was so bad that it was like getting hit by a Mack truck and my life was just flatlined. And I have to start to rebuild my life again. So that that is the practical reason for 12-step. Is that you will find people like you. And not everyone's gone to treatment. You know, you're not necessarily going to find, you know, people who've gone to treatment, let alone milestones. You will find some people who went to treatment. But again, that's why it's good to kind of stay connected. Maybe I saw on the website that there's an alumni group. It's like, great, you know. However, here is a constructive criticism that I have for treatment centers that don't encourage. It doesn't have to be 12-step. There may be other. Is that 
it's kind of like I feel that the goal should be to help this person develop a life that they want to live and to be able to achieve just some normal goals and independence. And I think that treatment centers can be very codependent if they're not supporting that process. So it would be like a therapist who never wants you to stop coming into sessions because the relationship, you know, is just a little like, oh, I need you to keep coming. That kind of therapist is like, I don't think you can go out in the world and live. So I have to always be seeing you. So again, if we go back to the car analogy, that would be like the intensive care unit nurses and the outpatient nurses wanting that person to constantly come back into the hospital. I personally feel, and this is my opinion, that when they leave hospital, when do it's like, well, actually, there are not in the hospital out there. There are people who can help you with all the tools that you need to learn. And, and that creates more of a sense of independence. Again, I have a controversial opinion, but that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean I wouldn't go back to the treatment place and do service because if it wasn't for those intensive care unit nurses, I'd be fucking dead. So don't get me wrong on that. I'm just talking about the stages of trying to help someone get to a place where, and, and I have to tell you, I'm coming up on 30 years in October, where we can hit our most achievable, highest gold medal Olympic goal, which is I pass for normal. When I am out in the world, no matter where I'm at, I have learned tools, skills, boundaries, behaviors that in no way allude to the amount of fucking therapy and 12-step recovery and woo-woo body fucking acupuncture, you know, I mean, just the full-time job my recovery required of me. Now, if I spend too much time out there, which I don't because I just don't, then I will start thinking like, oh, she can just do that. She can just have a piece of cake. Oh, he can just, you know, I don't know what else, spend $100 a day. Like, it starts to make me think I am normal. And here's here's a really good, I, another analogy, because one of my sponsees has cerebral palsy. And um, and for people who don't know, it doesn't affect her intellect at all. It, it, affects, her, it affects her muscle coordination. So she walks uh, a little uh, funny. But she can walk and there are, I mean, she's living a full life and then things will happen where she she can't do what other people are doing. And those are hard times for her. And, but she gets to call me and we get to talk about that. And because I understand and 12 step understands like, You know, we pass for normal, but there will be things that I just can't do. So that's why I think 12-step programs, 
They're free. No one's selling you anything. You can find them freaking anywhere. I mean, pick a program. You know what I mean? I like to remind my sponsees that you did not develop an eating disorder in a vacuum. So I promise you that in some way you you qualify for adult children of alcoholics slash, meaning or, dysfunctional families. I like to add slash very loving crazy people. You know, it's like you can find a program that you can meet other people. I do, however, really think that if you have an eating disorder, you need to go to an eating disorder. And I did a little research and uh, there are one, two, three, four, five 12 step programs uh, for eating disorders. So, you know, pick one. And they're apparently all really different. I, I personally think that if you are anorexic, you are going to get the best 12-step experience uh, in ABA only because um, ABA was founded by uh, an anorexics and it specifically targets anorexics and bulimics. Whereas in OA, which is the program that I'm in, you will find, I'm bulimic, you will find anorexic bulimics, but uh, the approach is very different. And I've read the ABA uh, book and I incorporate that book into everything um, I do and into my sponsees. So I don't want to switch programs, but right now I'm on a kick of like reading other programs literature. EDA is my newest one. There's so much about that program that I also really like. But again, I um, there aren't a lot of EDA meetings here. Um, I'm already very invested in OA. I'm, I've done a lot of service in OA, and that's where all my peeps are. But what I found in EDA is they're actually doing a lot of the things that I do. And so in OA, abstinence is a really big thing and you count time. In EDA, they don't do that. And I'm like, thank fucking God. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, so you take what you like and you leave the rest. That's another thing. So I'll get to now like the practical side of going into 12 steps. So I was very fortunate. So when I went into 12-step, it was in uh, like in the early 90s and it was in the San Francisco Bay Area. I did not even know that God was a part of 12-step because no one used that word. We used the word higher power, which was fine. I was just like, whatever. So if I had walked into at you know, 23, 24, 20. If I had walked into a 12 step and it said, God, I would have walked the fuck out because I had very adverse experiences about that. So I always think that the greatest, one of the greatest gifts I've got, I, I got was going into a particular fellowship where everyone just said higher power. So I um, sponsor uh, Christians, I've sponsored a Muslim. Uh, I personally am a non-denominational pagan heathen Buddhist. Um, so what I like about 12-step is 
even though they use the word God, when you if you're in the right area, and this really is about being in the right area, if you go to a meeting, you will quickly learn that God could mean good orderly direction. God could mean group of dames, group of drunks. It's just a placeholder. That means you believe in something greater than yourself. So my higher power is love. And so I think of that as like, which it is, um, like that is the guiding principle of all of my life. Like what would love do here? And love is connection and fear is disconnection. So if I'm asking myself, what would love do here? Then I'm asking myself, how do I stay connected here? How do I stay connected to myself, my body, and, uh, and my loved ones. If I do that, I am in the solution. If I don't do that, if I opt for disconnect, that's where the disease lives. The first thing the disease wants to do is the disease, and by disease, I mean eating disorder. The disease, it's like, it's, it's a perpetrator. And all perpetrators, the first thing they wanna do is get you alone. So they wanna separate you disconnect you from anything that could protect you so i think of that so that's an example of like that's my higher power i have a sponsee her higher power is kindness i mean you get you know and this again like this is what i like about the eda they they don't use the word god as far as i know they use higher purpose higher power or higher purpose so there are a lot of good things so I want to add one more thing, which is because I could talk on this subject for hours. Um, I had crazy loving alcoholic parents who um, did not spend a lot of time uh, teaching me what the rules are. So I always joke about how like I was someone who ran with scissors and those were the only kind of friends I made. Like if you weren't running with scissors, I wasn't really interested. You were boring to me. So for me, I learned all of the fucking things that a parent, a healthy, emotionally intelligent, well-adjusted parent should teach a baby coming into the world. You know, here are principles to live by. Oh, when you get upset and you have big feelings and you don't know what to do with them, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to show you how you emotionally regulate through people and not through substances. Um, and boundaries taught me boundaries, how to be nice to people. It taught me all of this tools that I didn't get growing up at home. And it's not because my parents were mean people. They were just narcissistic alcoholics who were too self-involved to really kind of put that. It was, it's a family disease. It wasn't personal to me. So that is where I think Bonnie, because I, I said recently that I was watching, and I, I know the time, oh, and I was watching a really great like 10 minute video on um, attachment styles. And I can, I think Bonnie has it if you're interested. It's great. It's one of those 10 minute videos where the little cartoon and it talks about like what creates secure attachment. 
And the gist of it is that no matter what the child does, the child can look behind and know that their parent is there, that they can go to any time and get emotional support and get a sense of belonging and safety and love and care and all of that. When I watched that, which was just a couple weeks ago, I realized that I developed secure attachment with 12-step because no matter what is going on in my life, there is a place that I can go where I can speak my truth and I can say whatever I need to say, even if it's completely unpopular, you know, I, I have a, I have a place to land. I have a place to land and I have a place of rest and I have a group of really amazing women who can support me as much as I support them. So again, there's a practical part of it that it will actually just make your life easier. So I'm going to go ahead and end there.